right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! Looks, he hits, throws the right yes! side. Yes! He's got Cobb of the 10 to the 5! Has your mental health ever suffered at the hands of the Green Bay Packers? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Today in Town, the safest space for Packers fans. I am your host, Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you after another uh, another loss on the season. The Packers dropped a 2-2 two two after their Thursday night loss, the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field. Final score, 34-20. to It really wasn't even that close. Um, we got a lot to get into, got a lot to talk about, and we've got plenty of voicemails to get into. Braun, how excited are you to get into these voicemails? Well, the great news is that we've got so many uh, voices to be heard, whether through voicemail or email. We got a lot of responses, an incredible amount of responses from our fans, and just a lot to be said, a lot to discuss with a, a loss this difficult and this embarrassing, frankly. But we got so many voicemails and so many emails, it took us forever to get through them, but we're finally through every single one. We listened to every single one, and the best ones, we're going to feature them on this show, on this here Packers Therapy episode, and try to figure out what's wrong with our beloved Green Bay Packers, Griff. Yeah, trying to figure out what went wrong on Thursday night. I'm sure you're all aware of the of the game, of the loss. I'm sure you've all listened to uh, plenty of reactions and takes, but this is probably going to be the first time that you've heard from your fellow fans, and Braun and I are here to go through all those. Like Braun said, there were just so many. I think these are. I think we had the most responses that we've ever received going back to last year when we started doing this voicemail. I mean, the people were passionate. Primetime game, division battle, embarrassing loss, it makes sense. We got plenty of voicemails and emails, but we only we narrowed it down to about eight voicemails and only a handful of emails because, well, we try to keep this show under an hour, and um, <laughs> this show is coming out later in the week because it took so long to go through all these. But if you want to leave a voicemail or an email, you can do so by calling the number 920-412-7997. That is 920-412-7997. You can call that number, leave a voicemail to get featured on the show. Or if you'd rather send in your takes via email, you can do that by emailing todayinsidletown at gmail.com. That one's much easier to remember. Todayinsidletown at gmail.com. Doesn't have to be after a loss, can be after a win, can be in the middle of the week. If you have a thought you want to get on air, send in your take through voicemail or email. And we will potentially feature you on the show. All right, Braun, let's get into this. We're going to jump straight into our first voicemail. Now, mind you, the prompt on our social medias was who is to blame after the Packers lost to the Detroit Lions and uh, most of these I mean there's actually a variety of different answers that we got through the voicemails and emails a lot of there was a lot of folks to blame after this one let's just say but let's jump in to this first voicemail and how about we run the ball when it's second and three in our own 15 yard line wouldn't that make sense Matt LaFleur you how about we start running the ball you have Aaron Jones for a f-ing reason. Why would you not f-ing utilize him, you f-ing imbecile? How about we start f-ing running the ball some more, Matt Lafleur? You f-ing show. <laughs> Matt Lafleur. <laughs> Matt Lafleur. <laughs> oh man, that one was good. So, uh, Braun, initial reaction to that one? <laughs> well, he seemed. I. I. Just to make a blanket statement, he seemed pretty upset. Uh, I don't know how happy he was about that loss, but. He, he just, uh, I think he his main point was about running the football. 
was that his point? I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, I can't, it's pretty easy to get what he was saying. Uh, but I think, you know, a lot of Packers fans feel pretty upset about this game. Maybe not that upset, but uh, that was certainly uh, a tough loss. And I don't know what his name was, but he certainly had a lot to say. And a lot of bleeping will have to do with that one. Yeah, that one's going to take about five minutes to chop up. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a tough one for, for the editor. But let's just be editor. honest. Let's just be honest. That was that's a lot of fans' reactions. So yeah, I don't know. Certainly. Not much to say. He was just very angry, and I think he speaks for a lot of Packers fans. And he is a voice that has been heard. I was honestly kind of surprised by the not only the amount of voicemails we got, but also the passion in all the voicemails, like that one just now. Because I don't know. For me, it's like like watching this game was very frustrating, and it was like, oh god, things couldn't be going any worse. But after the game, it didn't feel like, you know, how it, remember how it felt week 1, 2021, when we got blown out by the Saints, or uh, week 6, 2020, when we got blown out by the Buccaneers in Tampa? Like, those ones were really just embarrassing, and because these are teams that are supposed to be, they those teams were supposed to be fighting for the Super Bowl. This team is very young, L- losing to the Lions, I don't know, it didn't really shock me, first of all, and it didn't really rile me up, um, but I guess I'm... I don't know. I guess I'm in the minority with that one because clearly people are uh, pretty upset. But a lot of people were definitely upset about the usage of Aaron Jones specifically. And the like this guy, they were upset about the Packers not running the ball as much as they should have, especially in the first half. They finished the game with a total of 12 carries, 5 for Dylan, 5 for Jones. We can talk about that split, which is annoying. But 12 carries overall, 41 dropbacks for Jordan Love. And in the first half, that was that was true as well. We opened the game after that Rudy Ford interception with the ball in plus territory in the red zone, great field position, and we throw the ball three times, take a sack, and we have to kick a field goal. And that was kind of the story of the game. They just uh, clearly Matt Lafleur saw something on film that he wanted to target the Detroit Lions' passing defense rather than try and uh, grind it out on the ground. And I don't know, I can't really hate on that game plan because, (laughs) let's face it, the Packers' run-blocking game has not been good. It hasn't been good at all, all year. Even with Aaron Jones back, I mean, now we can talk about the Aaron Jones usage. This is something that I think does warrant frustration because this has been the story of Matt LaFleur since he was hired. We finished the game, Jones and Dylan both having five carries each. I hate the 50-50 split. I will continue to say it. I, I know that Jones is just coming back from injury and it's only week four and they want to keep him healthy, but I it's you're, you're taking so much away from a potential play when you give the ball to A.J. Dillon instead of Aaron Jones. And I think that's obvious to everyone watching. I don't know how obvious that is to Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I it's tough because A.J. just hasn't played as well this year and now Aaron Jones coming off the injury. He was probably on some sort of a pitch count. I think when you add those two together... Uh, it's not, it hasn't been good enough so far, but now I'm hoping moving forward with this long extra few days from the Thursday night loss, we have got some extra time. So hopefully now we're in a situation where Jones is back fully healthy and he can take on a larger load and Matt LaFleur is willing to actually give it to him as part of the game plan. And in addition, get him involved in the passing game because he's far and away our best player on offense in every facet. So it's important to try to get him involved and give Jordan that that weapon uh, to utilize in, like we said, both the passing game and the running game, just to get the offense moving at a higher level and a level that we all know that it can be. I don't understand why they put him out there on a Thursday night before a mini buy, 
uh, just to get seven touches, you know? Like, are they easing him back in? Okay, maybe they are, but at that point, why even play him? I don't know. But um, it is what it is, I suppose. Let's go on to our next voicemail. We need to fire Joe Barry. There's no reason for a defense this talented to go and do that. The play calling on defense was ferocious. Terrible. What am I watching? All right, Braun. Yeah, I mean, this is another common opinion amongst Packers fans, especially after this game. It's been true all season long. Joe Barry is not a fan favorite in Green Bay. That's no question. Um, and Thursday night was just another example of him being unable to match up with talented offensive play callers and offensive designers. He's just not in the same league as them. He looks like a college defensive coordinator out there going up against Ben Johnson, who's one of the best you know, offensive minds in the NFL. Happened last season. Last, it happened twice last season where Joe Barry just gets embarrassed. And it happened again. And is anyone surprised? I don't think anyone's surprised anymore because this seems to happen like just about every game. But people were certainly upset, and so was Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur was also upset with the, the Packers' defensive efforts, especially on the ground. Second game this season, we've given up over 200 yards rushing. Braun, you just posted something yesterday. What do we have, the third worst run defense in the NFL? Averaging 155.3 yards per game allowed, which is third worst in the NFL. Isn't that embarrassing? That's just life with Joe Barry. That's, that's how it is. It doesn't matter how much talent we have. It doesn't matter how many first-round picks or how many big contracts we pump onto that side of the ball. When it's coordinated by Joe Barry, there's going to be a ceiling on how well they can play. Well, it doesn't make any sense, Griff, because Matt LaFleur is talking about how they need to do something different and that it's insane to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yet here we are. That's what we've been saying for two years now. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been continuing to employ Joe Barry. And it seems that's kind of a little insane at this point, considering we're getting the same results with the same poor defensive what efforts is and the it? same horrible what run What is defense. it about Joe Barry that Matt LaFleur loves so much? He's had two opportunities now, two off-seasons, where it's pretty clear that Joe Barry is not getting the most out of this defensive talent as another defensive coordinator could, as a better defensive coordinator could. That's been clear for over two years now, and Matt LaFleur still decides to stick with him. I mean, last season was the time to do it. You trade Rodgers, the whole team is getting turned over. Get rid of the defensive coordinator. It makes no sense to keep him around. But Matt clearly loves him for God knows why. Are they best friends even? Are they friends? I don't know. But maybe um, maybe this is the offseason that we'll finally get a switch there. <laughs> but well, a I don't know if it's too late for that. I mean, considering now we're, we'll then have another year gone by where we didn't get the chance to develop another defense underneath a new coach it just doesn't make any sense it's it's starting to get to the point where Matt LaFleur might not be around to pick another defensive coordinator if he continues to let the things wow. go on that have gone on and I'm not saying he's going to get fired this year but I, I mean you know he's continuing every day choosing Joe Barry and making that choice to employ every him. day he wakes up and chooses Joe Barry <laughs> And that's the reality. So every day that goes by that he chooses Joe Barry is another day that I go by and maybe I don't choose Matt LaFleur any longer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, something other than that. You know, I was about to mention something regarding Joe Barry, but I remembered that we have a voicemail that kind of uh, paints the picture for me. So we're going to go ahead and play this one. I just want to know, where is the D-line once again? Where is Kenny Clark? I did not see him at all, mostly of the game. I mean, it was nice seeing Gary come back from that injury and make plays, but 
I felt like he was the only one making an effort on this defense tonight. I think this defensive line is so talented. And I think all of these guys, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, of course, Kobe Wooden is making splash plays, Carl Brooks, Lucas Van Ness, Rashawn Gary, the list goes on and on. We have so much talent. Now, I think the problem is, and where this listener seems to attribute blame to the defensive line, I I tend to chalk that up to Joe Barry. I think Joe Barry is just not a good coach. Listen, I ask myself, what is more likely? All of these guys just not being good players and being out of position because they're not good players? Or is it Joe Barry is not coaching them up the right way? And when you watch the film, when you ask yourself that question, the answer is pretty clear. Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator with a terrible track record, I think I th- I'm willing to blame him for a lot of the Packers' defensive struggles. Now, Kenny Clark did not have a very good day out there. Zero pressures. This was his first game without a single pressure since week 11 of last year. He had a 52 PFF grade. Just not a lot of production. He was getting double teamed in the run game, and he was getting pushed over. Not a great game for him. But listen... A lot of the, the run defense comes down to gap discipline, and we have talent, there's no question, the gap discipline. Who is responsible for making sure that our defensive linemen are disciplined and fit the gaps that they should? That is on the defensive coordinator to me, and they don't do that. Now, the defensive line overall, they had a pretty poor day out there on Thursday night, not a lot of pressure, they were getting moved in the run game all over, but overall, dude, this season... The defensive line has been really good, and Thursday night was not enough to take me off of that opinion. I think that they've been really good. The young guys have been developing nicely, and I'm excited about what they're going to be. I'm excited about what they are right now. I mean, honestly. I think the group's talent is so evident, and I love every piece we have. It's probably the deepest. I've said this multiple times out of the last few weeks, but it's probably the deepest group we have in terms of that front seven, so... I'm not worried about those players. I'm concerned about maybe the scheme, like you mentioned, but there's nothing we can do right now, and there's nothing we're going to do, at least for a little bit. So we have to trust these guys to execute to the best of their ability and just hope that the talent will take over when the scheme sometimes doesn't always put them in the best spot. We're going to go to an email now, Braun. What did we do, three voicemails in a row? It's time for a good email, which means it's time for me to read. This one comes from Cam. And he says, hey Cam. this is an easy one. Hey, Cam. Matt LaFleur and his staff are to blame. 100% of all of our issues. Not just tonight, but all of 2023 so far. Injuries are obviously a massive factor, but when you see how both offense and defense have come out in the second half of every game so far ready to rally, it's clear that coaching and preparation are the main culprit in our woes so far. First half script is a disaster on offense, and LaFleur won't pivot, not sure why. Then suddenly the second half starts, and we see what a football team should look like. Nothing special, just simple, back to the basics. But tonight, it was too little, too late. LaFleur's decision-making is a massive letdown so far in 2023, which hurts to say because I'm a big LaFleur fan. I'm not sure why his scripts are so out of whack to start games this year and why he is stumbling to improvise early, but he's got to check his ego quickly going forward and just tear up the script as soon as it doesn't work. I'm majorly confused where Matt's head is at to start games. His halftime adjustments have been effective, which tells me he knows the problems, but I'm lost as to why he waits until it's too late to course correct. We've got the makings of a legitimate squad. I hope something clicks after our mini-buy and actual buy. Go Pack Go! From Cam from Boise, Idaho. Hey, thanks Cam. Great email. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with you here. I mean, Matt LaFleur... We know what he is at this point. The halftime adjustments the last two weeks have been nice. The second half offense the last two weeks have been really nice. And there's a chance the Packers would have had another, uh, 
opportunity at a comeback for the second week in a row if Quay Walker didn't get that uh, penalty on the field goal. Packers would have gotten the ball back with a lot of time in a two-score game. And of all the things that went wrong on Sunday for the offense specifically, you can look to the offensive line, you can look at Jordan Love, you can look at guys not getting open. I think LaFleur is um, the least to blame, in my honest opinion, because we know what he is. We know he's a good play caller. We know he gets the most. He, we know he gets more out of his guys than an average NFL play caller would. Did I say that right? Did, does that make sense? Because I think that I think that's the case with Matt Lafleur. Now, some of the play calls, you look at the all twenty-two, and it's like, okay, no one's open. Why are you calling a two-man deep shot on second and ten? But you can do that with literally every team in the NFL. Yeah, he's not perfect, and he never has been, and we've never claimed him to be and he's never claimed to be but he does put I think the offense in good position and he's creative and he pulls out some kind of you know things that are creative but also are not typical sometimes trick plays other things where he tries to do something that will catch a defense off guard or something that they've never put on tape before and then it doesn't always work out and we have to find our groove there I think Jordan has to find his rhythm and sometimes that attributes to why the offense starts very slow. It, it, he definitely has to get into rhythm a lot quicker, and he has to probably get some easy completions quick to start games, and that doesn't happen, and that hasn't happened at least in these last couple losses where he doesn't get that chance to complete a few passes to guys like Romeo and now Christian and just like get into a rhythm on offense where they can run the ball off that, go into all these different options where you can let Jordan run run around a little bit, get outside the pocket, and just feel like he can throw confidently. Because it's so evident with him and a lot of young quarterbacks is when they put throws out there that get completed early in a game. To them, in their head, they're on a they're they're on or they're having a good day. Or when you hit you know, three passes in a row, it doesn't matter if they're all for five yards. That feels something. It feels like you're in a rhythm. It feels like yes. you're starting to flow. It feels like you're cooking. Yes, and from a mental standpoint, a player now is going to feel more confident throwing a ball that maybe it wouldn't look as appealing if he wasn't a confident player in that moment. But after getting a few completions, getting the ball out of his hand quick, and finding success through gaining yardage and the offense moving the ball and moving the chains, that's when Jordan is going to be the confident thrower of the football that's going to create those bigger plays, those big-time throws, those accurate passes that we're all looking to see him establish and become an elite quarterback for us. I think all that starts with the fundamentals, which is just throwing the ball a couple yards, dinking and dunking a little bit to start the game. That way it can open up for him from a confidence standpoint, more opportunities down the field, and then obviously marry that with running the football and the play action, and then the defense being put in better spots, the special teams being put in better spots, and then that's how you win football games. And it all starts from the beginning. And you can't skip any steps. So I think, number one, we have to get Jordan in rhythm early and often. And it should start against the Raiders when we go there on Monday. I think that's the key. You just get him in position where he's making quick and accurate throws. And then the offense starts to move the chains slowly but surely. And then you can start to let Jordan feel confident and open things up all over the field. Yeah, they they clearly wanted to attack the Lions downfield last Thursday. I don't know if that any, had anything to do with Christian's return or or I don't know what they saw, but in hindsight, it clearly did not work. But we're going to move on to uh, the next voicemail. What's up, fellas? This is Gabe, a.k.a. Real Pack Talk. Obviously, I don't have my pays no more, so I'm turning to your guys' podcast. Um, I want to say this first off about the game tonight. I'll be real, really quick. I've been saying it all year long. It's a development year. 
Uh, with David Bacciari out tonight, the injuries continue to pile up. It's yet another young player that has to step into a everyday role, every week role, whatever you want to call it. This Packers team, it's all about development. Obviously, we got smacked tonight. Not trying to create an excuse, nothing light like that. Jordan Love, you know, two straight weeks in a row has been, you know, he's been put, put out there, not, not having the lead, has to step up, has to get done, whatever he has to get done. And he's shown, look, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to push back. Now, last week, he, he was able to get the win. This week, we couldn't get the win. So there's a lot to say about the game and this and that. However, I'm just going to say, say this. If there's any type of silver line that you could find in this game, it's this, and it's plain, it's, it's plain and simple to me. The Packers need to develop. We need to develop. I don't believe, it's not that I don't have any faith in this guy. I believe Ronald Dobbs is a future star, but he needs more time. I believe Christian Watson is a future star. He needs more time. I believe some of these offensive linemen are going to be solid offensive linemen for us, but they need more time. Jordan Love, the, the biggest one of them all. He looks great, plays, you know, plays okay, getting better each and every week. He's a gamer. You can see when it's time to turn the, the Jets on, he turns it on. However, he needs more reps. He needs more time. That's not a knock on these guys. It's simply saying, look, when we play good teams like the Lions, and the Lions are good, these need to be games where we're not necessarily worrying about, you know, oh, we need to win this game. I understand we need to win games, but the silver lining in this is that these guys are playing from behind. They're getting this game time experience. They're cooking. They're becoming better overall players. Not trying to make an excuse for the game. We lost this game. We got smacked. It was embarrassing. How, however, I like this experience, this game time play that these guys are getting. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll be on as often as I possibly can. Have a good night, guys. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for calling in. We always, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Always kind things to say about the show. Uh, thanks so much for calling in. And honestly, quite frankly, he said exactly how I felt after this game. That it just—it was a loss that you know I would have predicted a loss coming into the game, and it's just a—it's a stepping stone and a stepping stone year, quite frankly. This year is definitely a year of lessons. Whether it's going to be through wins or losses, this team is learning how to win any way they can and in any way they get the chance. Every opportunity, they're learning something because these guys have just never played at this level. And the experience is valuable, whether good or bad right now, it'll be beneficial for us in the future. So it's definitely, it's all promising and it's all exciting and it's all building to something special, we hope. And, and I'm confident in that. And I love this group of guys and I think this one is going to be tough to swallow, but it's their first really tough loss, an embarrassing loss. And, and I think it's going to shape who they become. You quoted my grandma there. She always says that. You got to learn how to, this team's got to learn how to win. Shout out Granny. I know she listens. Um, but yeah, I mean. Very normal statement to make. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you remember my my grandpa's uh, quote that I brought up last year, I think? What was it? Share for the viewers. A, a tie is like kissing your sister. Oh, yes. My favorite ridiculous <laughs> statement. They, they're full of wisdom, my grandparents. Um, yes, we love nah, them. but they listen. Love you guys for listening. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate what Gabe said here, and I agree with him. This is a team that they're very young. We're gonna say that every week. They're very young. They're playing a team that, on paper and on the field, is much is much better than they are. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> uh, you just shouted out both your grandparents. That's really nice. Well, they listen. They listen. Sure I don't they know do. what to say. 
I regret Your saying that a ridiculous listen? statement knowing they might listen to this episode, but... Uh, let's go on to... Uh, thanks, yeah, Gabe, let's move so on. much for calling. Yeah, let's move on. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> Y'all need to get Joe Barry the f*** up out of there on God. I'm leaving work because I'm that f***ing mad. Get Joe Barry ass out of there. God damn. If your cheat, you gonna go back to that Hell no. What the f*** we doing? What is we doing? Oh... Oh my god! And, and can we can we can we build our offensive line? What's with these guys getting pushed over like they kids, like they twenty pounds? Come on, get in that weight room. That one's my favorite one. <laughs> That's oh. my favorite one. That was great. I mean, what do you, what do you say to that one, bro? <laughs> well, oh boy. I mean, so many just pure eloquent thoughts. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I think he mentioned something about uh, a cheating girlfriend. If your partner cheats, are you going to go back to your partner? Uh, no. I wouldn't. He no, said no, but the Packers, yeah. they, they seem to be in love with Joe Barry, and he doesn't like the offensive line either. He thinks there are <laughs> quite lightweights. Um, he said they need to hit the weight room, and, well, yeah, they did have their worst day pass blocking of the season so far they gave up a total of 22 pressures which was more than they had given up in the previous three games combined the most pressures given up in this game were six by zach tom who has played well so far five from john runyon five from royce newman those two are kind of expected rasheed walker giving up four pressures and josh myers only giving up two pressures so pretty good game for him right (laughs) no but um yeah Six pressures from Zach Tom. That's mostly because he was playing against Aiden Hutchinson for most of the game. You, you kind of expect who's going to win that battle. Aiden Hutchinson. God, he's good, isn't he? And then uh, Runyon, Royce, Josh Myers. You know, these are just known pl- average players, o- average offensive linemen to me. And then Josh Myers, same thing goes for him in center. Um, I mean, a lot of people were upset at the O-line. A lot of people had thoughts on the O-line. A lot of people were blaming O-line number one after that loss. And listen, to me, I know they're not very good, but listen, the the Lions have a great defensive front. They're going to do that against most offensive lines in this league. And when you're playing the Detroit Lions, Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, you got to get the ball out. You just have to get the ball out. You have to go places. You, you have to have places to go with the football within two and a half seconds because you're not going to have much more time than that on any drop back and in the first half they it just the amount of the amount of sacks that we took five sacks in the game most of those came in the first half it was excruciating watching jordan drop back go to one read two read three read he hasn't gotten rid of the ball you got to get rid of the football man your o-line's banged up they're giving up pressure like crazy you're playing the detroit lions aiden hutchinson you got to get rid of the football there's guys open there too. It's not like he just got to throw it away or any even anything like that. On a lot of those cases, there were guys open, and it's unfortunate. But he's got to hit that first read when it's there. There was many times where there was, you know, that first read is maybe a, a quick slant, and it's Romeo, and it's open, and there's not really anybody within a yard of him, and Jordan still is holding onto the football, and it's it's very bizarre, but. Uh, and that's what creates a lot of that. When we're trying to get the ball out quickly and then it doesn't get out quickly, of course, with that pass rush that they have and our O-line that's banged up, you put all those pieces together and that's where the pressure creates sacks and we've lose, we're losing yardage and we're behind the sticks and we're in this constant get-back-on-track mode for the first half and every drive it's been consistently like that and that's how you lose football games in an embarrassing fashion and that's what happened. I think these two stats paint the picture pretty clearly. 
time to throw, 2.87 seconds. That's an average of time from snap to throw. 2.87, that's quite a bit. You're, you're looking for 2.5, especially when your line is banged up and you're playing such a good defensive line. And then an average depth of target of 9.5 yards. I mean, I think that, uh, to me, I want that to be a little bit shorter, honestly. When you have a banged up O-line and your guys aren't getting open, like, come on, we got to get the ball out. Stop trying to go for the deep ball. Matt, I think that's really a LaFleur problem, not so much Jordan. Um, for this game, I think Jordan really learned a lot. This was the first time that he's played a really, truly great edge rusher in Aiden Hutchinson. He's by far the, the best edge rusher that he's played so far, and I think it was a nice learning experience. And honestly, overall, I don't know if we're going to have the chance to talk about Jordan other than right now. Overall, I think he played. Eh, I mean, it was ugly in the first half, and he didn't really do too much outside of uh, a couple nice throws. But I don't picks, think this was his worst game you know. of the season. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, don't know the if two it was picks were like one of them was a miscommunication, one of them was tipped. The first they, one they I think was. Better. It's the same thing as what happened last week. They played a little better when it, you know, when it started to get contentious, and Jordan. And he made some tough throws. It seems like the team goes as he goes. You know, I think that's true for most NFL teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's a good sign that the team is playing much better when Jordan plays well. Obviously, you'd like the the rest of the cast, defensively specifically, to kind of carry the team if he's not. And that's how you, again, complimentary football. It'd be nice if that was the case. But it seems to be that the defense is terrible, and then Jordan Love conveniently doesn't play as well, and vice versa. So we probably need to figure that out somehow. Do you agree? And I agree, yeah. And this is a similar thing to last year, where last year, remember, we didn't have Devontae Adams, all these young receivers, and we were talking about how the defense is going to have to carry this offense, especially early on in the season. That was even more true this year, because we have a brand new quarterback, and the offense has gotten even younger. And we thought the defense was going to have to carry this team, and they just haven't done that so far. They gave up 34 points to the Lions. You, you can't give up 34 points and expect to win from the defensive standpoint. 34 points is too much, and they kind of let the team down there. The offense didn't help, obviously. It, what was the score at halftime? I think it was 27 to three. Let me check that real quick. Yeah, 27 to three. That is ugly. Back-to-back -back weeks from Jordan Love in the offense, where they're only able to put up three points. Last week it was zero points. They got to figure something out there. They got to figure out how to start quicker. But it is encouraging, at the very least, that Jordan played better in the second half and the offense in general played better in the second half. All right, Bron, let's go on to our next email. This one coming Sounds from good, buddy, Angel. Griffin. <laughs> okay, this one coming from Angel. <laughs> hey, Angel, how are you this evening? How about we start at <laughs> How about we start at the top with Mark Murphy thinking he can orchestrate a championship team by the staff he hired? Then we can go to Matt LeClown for not being prepared no. by putting up only 21 yards throughout half a game. I forgot to mention that. 21 yards at halftime. Depends on the source, really, because I saw 20 yards. But Matt LeClown? Matt, Matt LeClown, he called him. Matt is just like Mark by being... Mark Murphy, that is. By being blessed with having Rodgers on their lap. Finally, this is someone who refuses to change anything. Because of him, the three things in life that are certain. Death, taxes, and Packers having the worst run defense in the league for as long as Joe Barry is there. Now that that's out, I still want to call out the fan base that was at the stadium and ask, why boo your own team in Lambeau? That was just as shameful as the score was. We should be held accountable as well. Total embarrassment. Now, How about I'm the surprised amount that of fans. How about the amount of Lions yeah, yeah. Fans I was about to say that. When I saw, I want to call out the fan base. I was like, oh, he's definitely going to talk about the Lions. The amount of Lions fans that were at the game, but he's upset that the that the Packers fans were booing. 
Well, given the amount of Lions fans that were there, it may have been the Lions who were booing. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Um, but overall, Mark Murphy, um, Angel, clearly not a fan of Mark Murphy. Or Matt LeClown. Or Matt LeClown. I don't know how you can come out of this game feeling upset about Mark Murphy, honestly. Mark Murphy forgot to fill his gap on that inside run on 3rd and 10. <laughs> <laughs> Goot missed the assignment. <laughs> I mean, no, it, we obviously understand where he's coming from, but yeah, no, I don't um, think Mark the voicemails and emails that we share on here. Full disclosure: the voicemails and emails that we share—it's not an endorsement. <laughs> we, yeah, um, we don't yeah. necessarily agree with every every opinion that we share on this show, but I think it's important to get these takes out there. And Angel is not happy with Matt Mark Murphy or Matt the Clown. So, <laughs> oh, thanks for emailing, Angel. Uh, we appreciate that, and I'm sure there are people who uh agree with you on that front maybe talk to me in like march or april i'll have more to say about mark murphy but right now i'll be honest i haven't thought about mark in a few months (laughs) (laughs) what about matt the clown do you have any thoughts on him right now (laughs) we talked about matt enough already all right let's go to the next voicemail sub boys it's jared from hard count heroes awful loss against the lions as matt lafleur put it we got our ass kicked uh, I think what really was downfall of us was our offensive line. Jordan Love had no time to throw back there, which caused him to throw two awful picks, and one of them was just a bad communication with Dobbs. Uh, the offense really couldn't get anything going until the second half. The run defense was awful. David Montgomery made us look like a bunch of little boys, and we were exposed. I mean, if the Packers want to be a lethal team this year, if they want to be a playoff contender, uh, we got to take it to teams like the Lions. We at least got to be competitive with them, and we were not competitive at all, in my opinion. So I want to know what you think. Well, Jared, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, yeah, I think you made some good points there. The David Montgomery did make us look like a bunch of little boys, but again, this is where I, I kind of have to talk about Joe Barry because there was a Brian Baldinger posted on Twitter a video of – it was an outside zone run from the Lions, scored a touchdown, David Montgomery, one of his three, and um, there's just nobody in the C-gap. You know, this is an outside zone run, the C-gap being between the tackle and tight end. There's just no one there. There's there's not a body there. Rudy Ford is bang, playing about 15 yards off at safety. He's the only one who you can even draw a line to being responsible for that gap, and he is nowhere near it. Quay Walker's all the way inside. The next closest defensive lineman's all the way inside. There's just nobody guarding the C-gap, and it's a walk-in touchdown. It doesn't get easier from than that as an offensive play caller. And so I, this is, again, the D-line. I'm not so critical of the players themselves, but the, the product as a whole is definitely a problem, and it's not all that surprising because we knew this was how it's going to be. Yeah, you said it, Jared. Definitely not the most fun I've had watching a game, but we will uh, we'll be back, I think, right? Las Vegas. Time to just change things up. Let's see how they perform, because if they perform better, we'll all be talking like it's a whole different life that we live, and I look forward to that. Here we go. All right. Hey, boys. Uh, it's currently 2 a.m. where I'm at. I ain't a Wisconsin night. I'm actually a New Yorker, and I've been a diehard Packers fan ever since I'm a kid. And I just watched the game, and I just took a shot because I'm depressed after watching that. First off, can we please get rid of that screen pass or shuffle pass? I don't know what to call it, but it's not a screen when we hike the ball, and as we're running to the side and about to pass it, and Jordan Love's right there, and he sees this guy. 
when we have the entire defensive front on the other side of our blockers. We just get snuffed behind the line of scrimmage, and we lose yardage. And it's happened versus the Bears week one. I remember watching that play. I'm like, get this out of the playbook. Why are we even running this still? We've been investing to this defense for I don't know how long. We've pieced together a really, really good defense. But I swear to God, if Joe Barry, like, he can't figure it out sometimes. Sometimes the defense is, like, great. Sometimes, like, it goes a three and out, stops the ball, and is perfect. But other times, I don't know what play he's calling. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, and I feel like my girlfriend can call better plays on Madden than Joe Barry can call an NFL defense right now. Well, hey, thanks for calling in. We appreciate your take. Um, about the screen passes, yeah, the screen passes have not been pretty this season. On the year, Jordan's averaging 8 yards per attempt, which isn't too bad on screen passes, but on Thursday night against the Lions specifically, 2 for 2, hey, 100% completion, for 2 yards. <laughs> yeah, I think he's talking about that triple option where, where we have the option with Dylan on the field, and it's either Jordan then can run it or then he pitches it back to AJ and AJ gets walloped for a loss of three. <laughs> I think he's talking about that. I'm sure he's him and many others, including myself, would like that one to be tossed in the garbage like the rest of the awful plays that we've ran over the years. So there, that's certainly one of those that I would say, please get it out. Yeah, well, that one's not a that one's not necessarily a screen pass, so it doesn't apply to the the stats I just mentioned. But I agree that play doesn't really seem to go anywhere, and it it reminds me of the what Matt did last season, his poor tendencies where he was addicted to the pony personnel, the pony yeah. personnel. It reminds me of when we gave Alan Lazard the ball on f- a handoff on what was it fourth, on fourth and, and two? one fourth, fourth and, and one in our own territory. Yeah. yeah, we love to do mm. stuff like that against the Lions. And then you get uh, you get dads all across the nation saying, oh, they're trying to get too cute, trying to get too cute. And they're right, you know. Just sneak it, maybe. Well, maybe not sneak it with this quarterback. That was a joke. Next email, we've got Mitch, who uh, he was quick and straight to the point. Mitch says, first half offensive struggles, mainly referring to the horrible offensive line play, and particularly 63 and 70. Walker and Newman. Also, multiple other things throughout the game. Jordan Love struggles. Also, Jordan. Also, Joe Barry's inability to make simple adjustments to the run, which he made none, and he is not the right D coordinator for the Packers. Right? Now, that's not um, anything new for this show, but I did like this from Mitch. The fix. Sign a free agent offensive guard. Newman is not the answer. Give Yash Nyman the start over Rasheed Walker, and Matt LaFleur needs to get in Joe Barry's ear and make that seat red hot. Otherwise, we need to make a switch at DC. I had to move my phone to read that. <laughs> now, specifically, I wanted to talk about this this uh, this idea of giving Yash the start over Walker. Now, look, a lot of people like Yash Nyman. I do too. He's a replacement level offensive lineman. I think he's valuable, but I don't think he's that much better than Walker, honestly. And honestly, Walker, I I think has played pretty well <laughs> for his seventh round pick in his second year. I've been pretty impressed by Rashid so far at left tackle. Yeah, I do like Rashid considering all things. He's played about Josh Myers' level, like in considering what we've seen from him over the last few years. Feels like Rashid's yeah, and kind Josh of, was a second round pick. Exactly. I feel like Rashid's been that level lineman for us, where he's been a starter, like he's played as a starter, and not been the worst player on the planet, but he hasn't been much worse than the other guys that we have, if that makes sense. So no, I, and I just, this is my take on offensive line is. 
you know, it's a weak link unit. You're only as good as your weakest offensive lineman. And if Rashid is our weakest offensive lineman, uh, I think we're in a good spot. The problem is he's not. <laughs> our weakest no. offensive lineman would be uh, number 70 at left guard, who is, man, he's bad. He's bad every week. And we said at the beginning of the year, we're in trouble if he has to see the field this season. Well, it's week four, and he's starting for the second week in a row. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the Isaac Yidem of our offensive line. I never want to speak about him again. I wouldn't hate us maybe seeing if Royce could have a similar impact elsewhere. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Leave that one to the viewers to, to determine. <laughs> okay. And we're on to our last and final voicemail. Hey, hello. B-Red uh, is here. It was a scrappy loss tonight, but you got to trust in the process and believe in the team that we got. You know what I mean? We've been decimated with injuries. we got a duct tape, duct tape O-line in front of us. But, you know, we got some winnable games coming up, and you got to just trust the process and believe the Packers will be making the playoffs. Who knows how far we will go, but trust me on that. We will be back and stronger than ever. Now, I thought that one was just perfect to uh, end the show with, leaving us on a high note. And I agree with that. We have some very winnable, winnable games coming up here soon. We've got Monday night, week five, at the Las Vegas Raiders. They have been very bad. Aiden O'Connell was a disaster. We'll see if he's starting on Monday night. And then we come back at the Denver Broncos, who just won their first game of the season over the Chicago Bears by three points. They are 1-3 and three and look like one of the worst teams in football. We play the Vikings after that at home, Rams at home, at the Steelers, who are bad. And listen, we've got a lot of teams on this schedule who are, I think, worse than the Packers. <laughs> and we're playing like, like that caller just said. We've, we're playing a lot of winnable games this season. Now, this was not... I think there was a voicemail earlier. I don't know if we kept this in or not, but there was a voicemail earlier which called this a must-win game. I could not disagree more with that one. <laughs> this was not a must-win game. It's week four, and the Lions are better than us. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised by the result of Thursday night's game. I'm not very upset about it. This is the team that we all thought they were. They're going to lose some games. But listen, they're playing a lot of bad teams this season, and they have been good enough to, I think, make the playoffs. So, I agree with that last one. I think the Packers are still going to make the playoffs this season, and I'm excited to see what they learn from this loss, how they've continued to progress, what Jordan Love does differently after that one, after playing a ferocious pass rush like that. I'm just excited to see how they grow from that one and see how they respond Monday night. Yeah, that's the beauty of what we're doing as an organization right now. It's all learning, and it's all positive because we're just going to learn from it and get better, and I think... We'll see a different team coming out of this one, one that has now lost a game in an embarrassing fashion, and now it's time to see how they respond, and I look forward to that, and I love the opportunity to go up against a team that is also not in the best of spots, but has talented players all around, and it's going to be a chance to go win a game on the road, uh, and I love that, just for the, the chance to get better and build something special and try to make the playoffs in Jordan Love's first year as a starter. All these things are exciting and fun, and you just never know what can happen. It's still very early in the season. The team is starting to gel. It's going to take some time, but as the season progresses, this group could be in a very different spot if things start to operate the way we want. And this team has all the potential to be that caliber of a team that can make the playoffs and do something. But it starts with trying to get the, these groups, this offense, this defense, and the special teams playing complementary football, and that's really all it takes to win games. And if we can do that, we're on the right track. 
Yeah, well, that's all we have for today. That's all our voicemails and emails that we saved to uh, play on the show. Braun, did you want to do some Jeopardy or some Packers Guess Who before we get out of here? Or are you ready to go? <laughs> Is that vodka? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm asking. Why don't we save that for the bye week, Griff, and we'll move on <laughs> for today. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, that does it. Thank you so much for listening this far if you're still listening. If you want to get featured on the show, you can call the number 920-412-7997. Leave a voicemail. There's a chance we're going to feature you like we did with these eight wonderful call-ins today. And you can also email us at todayinsidletown at gmail.com. That one's very easy to remember. Just the name of the show at gmail.com. Email us. There's a chance we'll read out your email on the show. Please keep doing that. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to uh, do episodes like this because it makes the Packers loss. It's a silver lining, right? It's a silver lining. Packers lose. Well, guess what? We get to hear from all of our wonderful listeners. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we will be back after the Packers game against the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football. We'll see who's starting at quarterback for the Raiders. But I like our chances regardless in that one. Hopefully Devontae is healthy enough to go. Hopefully Jair is healthy enough to go because who doesn't want to see that matchup, right? Yeah, we'll be back. Hopefully they win that game, and go Pack Go. Thank you for listening, everybody. Same time next week?